I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. You know what I do if I own a hockey team? This is the Press Box. I hire a sumo wrestler. With Grady and Bischoff. I'd give me uniform, transportation, 500 bucks a week to sit in the goal, eat a ham sandwich, and enjoy the game. My team would never get scored on. On ESPN Las Vegas. We would get scored on constantly. Maybe, but we sell a few tickets. Nine to two. That's the open. Here we go. <laughs> the first bite. <laughs> I was not ready. <laughs> Can the Golden Knights win without Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty? Oh, it's a tough one. Robin Leonard better be ready to save a lot of games and win them on himself. Uh, was there last night, Tyler, and uh, thought he might do it for a while. I thought he played great, but uh, uh, as many shots as they had, they're having a hard time finishing and, and scoring goals. So mm. here is here's basically the Golden Knights' problem. They are going to win games without Stone and Patch Reddy because they still have some good players in the lineup. Right, the Carlson line was pretty good That's last, good last night. night. Yeah, uh, Petrangelo and Theodore are both good offensive defensemen. Right, they have good players on this team, and they're going to win some games. And there's going to be some moments where, like, a Will Carrier has like a a good game and helps produce a couple of goals or something. Like somebody's going to have somebody random's going to have some good games too. But the problem is, is that normally when the Golden Knights are at full strength, if the Carlson line has a bad game it's generally okay because Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty are out there and they have a good game. If Shea Theodore has a bad game, it's generally okay because Alex Petrangelo and the forwards can make up for that, right? And when they're fully, completely healthy, Alex Tuck exists as well to give them, he can occasionally give you burst of excellence. When you don't have Alex Tuck, when you don't have pretty much your entire first line, now Carlson, Marshall, and Smith, if they're not awesome, Plus, you get something from Theodore and Petrangelo. Plus, Leonard is good. If you, you have to get all three of those things to have a chance to win. Whereas in the past, a lot of those guys could have a bad night, and it was okay because there were other guys to make up for it. When you don't have that depth, you know, Peyton Krebs and Keegan Colasar and Chandler Stevenson, they're, they're just not making up for that when you don't have your top-end guy. So they'll win some games. But it's going to be pretty difficult because they're going to have to have their top players play well every single night. And even sometimes, like last night, most of those guys, the top guys thought, anyways, played well and they still didn't win. I thought most of them throughout the lineup played well. Um, a couple defensemen didn't, but I thought most of them played well. And at the end of the night, they're 3-1 losers. Yeah. I mean, it's really 2-1, uh, but they're 3-1 losers. So I don't know if you walk away from that enthusiastic and like, hey, everyone played well, but you still got the loss, and maybe that's a good sign. Or you walk away and say, boy, if we can have that many guys play pretty well and lose, that might not be a good sign. There's two things that they need. Evgeny Dadnov has got to be better. Dadnov wasn't particularly good last night. He did only had two shots on goal in the game. He had the third worst expected goals uh, rate for the Golden Knights. With Stone and Patch already out, Dodonov is tied for as the second highest paid forward on the team. Only William Carlson in the lineup last night was a forward making more money than Dodonov because he makes $5 million, the same as Riley Smith, the same as Jonathan Marshall. He has to produce something. He has got to be a guy that fills up some form of offense, right? He's got to be good. And they listen, they paid him $5 million. It was more of a, hey, let's make the third line good. 
But with all the injuries, he's got to be in the top six and he's got to be good in the top six. He wasn't last night. That's one area that they have to have somebody producing. It's Dodonov. The other area that's interesting is Alex Petrangelo because he was all over the place last night. Like he was everywhere on the ice, good and some bad for the Golden Knights. And the ultimate game winning goal, the second goal that St. Louis scored Alex Petrangelo gets a ton of blame for that Mm -hmm. because he was trying to carry the puck through the neutral zone. He was trying to start the rush the other way for the Golden Knights, and he turned it over in the neutral zone, and it led to a three-on-o. Yeah. Like, because he wasn't back normally. That's where he would be to stop one of those. And everybody else started to push up the ice as well. That is a big mistake from Alex Petrangelo, but it's a sign of, hey, Petrangelo's trying to do a lot because they need Petrangelo to do a lot, and that's sort of the danger. There's going to be a lot more risk taken, risky plays like that from a Petrangelo, from a Theodore, and they're going to, they have to be better, right? Like you can't give up those types of plays at any point, but you're going to have a little bit more risk in giving them up if Petrangelo is trying to create more offense. So that's one of the interesting parts is Alex Petrangelo trying to do too much and how they can sort of balance, hey, we need more offense from you, but we also can't have turnovers like that in the neutral zone. I mean, and here's the thing. Here's the narrative the previous 48 hours. They had Shea Theodore talk to the media. The narrative was, in no uncertain terms, the defensemen have to create more offense. So I guess when you have that in your head, that's how you're going to play. And when you play, you make mistakes like that, and and look what happens. And I thought Leonard was terrific, and he's three on O's, obviously not his fault. He's not going to stop that. I mean, that's you can be as good as you can. The first five minutes, it probably should have been one or two O St. Louis anyway. Uh, but he was terrific the first several minutes of the game. And um, yeah, I mean that that's I was you know you're there and defensemen are up there saying, hey, we got to do more, we got to do more. Well, that's going to lead to probably turnovers because you're trying to do things that you don't normally do or should do, and that's what happened on that play. Yeah, I know uh, Justin Emerson tweeted out it's the most or tied for the most high danger chances they've given up in a game under Pete DeBoer uh, last night. And that Leonard was good. Yeah. And Leonard had a very good game, gives up two goals. I think he was uh, more than a goal better than the expected goals against in that game. So he was excellent. And that's sort of the big concern is that in the past, if the golden Knights got excellent goaltending, they won the game. Yeah. Like four, it, two, yeah, four, it, one, they yeah. won the game. Like one of the only concerns over the history of this team is, okay, they've got bad goaltending for a stretch or whatever. And they start losing. Right. Leonard was great last night and they didn't really have a chance there at the end. I mean, pull the goalie. You always have a chance, but it didn't feel like they really had a legit right. shot to tie the game. So that's a big concern. And really going forward is that he's, he, he's got to be that good almost every night. I don't know if he can be right. Like it's, it's hard to be that good yeah. every night. Uh, even, I mean, he's been one of the better goalies in the NHL for the last three seasons or so, even for the good goalies. It's hard to be that good every single night. Now, the Blues are good. It's not like, you know, they're going to get to play some worse teams here. Like, it's not like they're going to play a true playoff contender in every single game. So, you know, when you play the Coyotes or I know they just lost to the Kings, but you get the Kings and stuff like that. Like, there's going to be some easier games for them to play, but it doesn't come Friday night. I mean, Connor McDavid comes in here and I... Golden Knights struggle have struggled with Connor McDavid when they're at full strength. The guy is really good and really fast and makes them look foolish sometimes. Oh boy, yeah, it's exactly what yeah. It's there's going to be a few old boys on Friday night, especially if old boys trying to carry the puck through the zone and he's trying to be the offensive guy. He won't even, he won't even see Connor McDavid go by him when it's an old boy. He's like, what happened there? Who was what was that blur? So I they're going to win some games without Stone and Patrick Reddy and. 
again, we don't actually know how long Stone is out for. Um, if it's short term, if he's back within like 10 days or something, then they should be fine once he gets back. That sort of pushes everybody's responsibility down a level. Uh, but it's going to be six weeks without Max Pacioretty, and that's going to be tough for them, especially until Mark Stone comes back. And by the way, how worried are you after Pete DeBoer's non-update on Alec Martinez? Well, that's last the night? other thing. Um, when and Pete DeBoer said this, you know, usually if a guy like him goes out, you're going to be a little concerned because it's going to take a lot for that guy to go out. You know, as many shots as he blocks and as tough as he's been in the past, playing with major, major injuries. He skated off by himself, but when he goes down the tunnel, you're like, uh-oh, because if you lose him, you lose a lot as well. So, yeah, I think uh, I think today will be a big day. Obviously, hopefully they'll update uh, probably lower upper body. Um, I didn't see what happened. I know he skated off by himself. Um, so Pete's, Pete's update was uh, he had no update? Yeah, he didn't have an update, but like you said, when you see a guy that normally plays through stuff skate no, off, yeah. you're concerned. Alec what he played through last year's at the end of the year, I, I had three broken legs he, and a foot and, he had a broken and a, foot. an arm and all this other thing. And played through it in the yeah, playoffs. Exactly. Now, if you break your foot in the regular season, you take well, the time you, you off. You take and, six weeks right, off. Exactly. In the postseason, hockey players are like, no, I can't take the time off. But this is a guy who played for through a broken foot. And for him to leave the game for whatever reason, you do. You certainly look up and say, what was that? What could that have done? By the way, the fun detail, I can't remember who reported it. But uh, so they had a dolly, and they would, like, literally move him around sometimes last year. Because <laughs> he had a broken foot. That's pretty funny, though. It is. I'm sorry. It I'm is sorry. funny. I mean, like, he's a tough right. guy, obviously. He played with a broken foot. But to be moved around on a dolly. <laughs> Load him up. We got to get him yeah, across exactly. the rink here. <laughs> In and around City National. I want a pizza from Okay, let's go. Let's move him up. Let's Come on. Hop on. We'll put you up. Get him in the elevator. No, does, he ride, does he get to ride the freight elevator up? Because yes, it's like a package. Exactly. Yeah, unless someone's in the front of the dolly and they're actually carrying the man up. You know, when <laughs> someone's in the front, someone's back, they're carrying him up the stairs. Oh, uh, yeah, the elevator's broken. We've got to carry you up the <laughs> exactly. stairs. It's literally, ow, 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 yes, ow, exactly. ow, 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 ow. <laughs> so if that, listen. All right, set him down. Set him down. Uh, uh, he's happy. The good news for the Golden Knights is their defensemen haven't been beat up this year, right? It's really just been the forward group. They've been good defensively. But now all of a sudden, if Alec Martinez is missing time, yes, you still have Petrangelo and Shea Theodore. Braden McNabb obviously has been a very good defensive defenseman. But now you're looking at, you know, are you bringing Nick Haig, Zach Whitecloud up to play in those top four defensively? Not that those guys aren't solid, but when you're already missing so much on the forward group, it's going to hurt even more to miss Martinez because not that Martinez is like some great offensive player, but he no, does. But he blocks a lot of shots. He, he does a lot of right. things. And offensively, he does provide on the power play. Mm -hmm. Like there have been oh, times. Oh, he's got the shot on the power play. There have been times yeah. where you're like the only chance they have at scoring on the yes. power play is the one-timer to Martinez one -timer. at the face-off exactly. dot. That's yeah. it. Yep. And so he does give you something offensively. And when you're already missing so much, you know, having to put White Cloud, who has been a good defenseman, but doesn't really give you anything offensively. You're really counting, okay, where the hell do we get any points from? Quick sidebar, yes or no answer. Are you buying Keegan Colasar as the next Ryan Reeves? Oh, he's better than Ryan Reeves. Fighting? Eh. No, 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 not as a player. He kind of tried, tried to get Just in some scraps people? last night. I'm like, eh, kind of poor man's. He plays more minutes, so. I mean, he's got more opportunities. He's yeah. a better player. It's just he tried a couple last night to... 
get in with it, I'm like, eh, I don't know. I it's, don't know. Because Reeves didn't... Okay, the thing with Reeves is he didn't really do a lot of that. He would just fight like three times a season and then trash talk. Yeah, and he when he did fight... I kind of laughed because the narrative was always he won the fight and he was a much better fighter. I'm like, I don't know if that's necessarily right. true. But like so Reeves, because Reeves, he wasn't on the ice that much. He didn't actually like get involved physically in a lot of stuff. He was he, yapping a lot. He just, yeah, he, he talked a lot of trash. Keegan Colasar's probably gotten into more scuffles already than Ryan Reeves did all the last year. So he's better at it than Ryan Reeves. I don't know. Maybe, don't know. maybe we need and to get break some him up so soon. I just saw, I think at least three times last night, he was either in something or he tried something. We need to get, uh, get some opponents to comment on Keegan Cole. Yes. trash talking yes. just so we can get an idea. Cause maybe, maybe he's just as good as Ryan Reeves or maybe he doesn't say anything at all. And, and he just fights people. Right. And you, you gotta say, you gotta have some verbal warfare too. Like that's key there. You gotta make him feel stupid while you're standing on the bench playing three minutes a night. That's very important. Coming up next. What a great day of baseball. Want to be part of the show? Call the press box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and leave your opinion. And that's smacked into right field for a base hit. Alvarez scores. Tearing for third is Tucker. Guriel on his way to second as Renfro gets it out of the corner. It's an RBI double for Yuli and a 4-0 Astros lead. Perez the kick and the pitch. And Yuli smacks it up the middle and through for a base hit. That'll score Bregman. Correa right behind him. And he will score as well. A two-run single by Yuli. He's driven in three tonight, and the Astros' lead is 9-1. to one. Ground ball hits softly right side. Gurriel shovels to his right. He has it, wins the foot race to first, and that is the ball game. The Houston Astros are one win away from an American League pennant. Here's the one-two. Swing and lifted to center field. Coming in, Gavin Lux still coming. Plays it on a high. That'll score Eddie, and it is 4-0 Atlanta. As Jock is able to splash one into shallow center field right in front of Gavin Lux, keep the inning alive. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. October! Oh, the Braves. An 86-win team is one win away from yeah. the World Series. They would not be the worst team ever record-wise to win the World Series. Uh, the Twins, uh, in I think the 80s it was, won when they won 85 games in the regular season. The Rat. So Gary Gaetti, the rat down three, one, they just look, it, it's really simple. I mean, you can say <laughs> they have, don't have Muncie and now they don't have turn at the end of the day. They just didn't hit whatever, for whatever reason, they just what? didn't hit. It's not, it's not, you know, you can say it's pitching where they did, they came into the series and they didn't hit. So what's, what's, what happened? Like they've, the three know. losses, they've scored eight runs yeah. in those three losses. Trey Turner, he really fell off. They didn't have Muncie. Um, you know, I, I think Justin Turner, he's out. He pulled the hammy, so he's out the rest of the series, and they just didn't hit, and it's no excuses. I mean, they have a deep lineup. Um, Bellinger actually started to hit, so if you would have told said that before the series, like, boy, if that guy's hitting, they really have a chance, and he's actually, Mookie's actually been really, really good, but they didn't hit, so they're not going to win the series because I don't think for three games they're going to suddenly be the lineup they've been. I mean, now Turner's out, Muncy's out. They've just been outplayed. I mean, they've been outpitched. They've been outhit. And they're going to lose the series. I don't know if they'll lose their bullpen game today. So who knows? It might it might just end today because Friel's going against the bullpen. Um, hey, bullpen games are undefeated in the AL and NLCS this year. Is that right? Well, yep. I'll tell you what. Um, the Braves had a good one last night. They did, yeah. My goodness, they had a no-hitter th- into the fifth. 
Um, so with it is what th- it is. I mean, three I, different pitchers hmm? with three different pitchers, three different pitchers. <laughs> hey, whatever. I mean, they, they, if they, they're going to lose the series and you're going to say they don't deserve to win the series. They can't, if you can't score runs, what is it? Eight runs and three losses. Yeah. I mean, you have no chance. Do you believe Julio Urias wasn't any good because he pitched two days ago he and was released? so tired? <laughs> I don't know. He gave up what? Three home runs, three home runs. Yeah. In five innings. Yeah, well, you take me back to that, and I'll keep saying Blake trying. And maybe, maybe he was. Ah, not going to make excuses. They're just not very good right now. I mean, it's it's fascinating how much that decision is blown up in Dave Roberts' face because the, the Dodgers had a lead in game two in Atlanta. Yeah. And he goes to his game four starter. Game, yeah, game four starter. Game four starter. And Urias blows it, and the Braves end up winning in the ninth. So not only do you lose game two, after that decision to use Urias, he's then not very good when he comes back in game four. And it's crazy to think like, again, you can't really assign this uh, blame or praise to what happened if it's exactly the reason why. But if you don't bring Urias in in the eighth, do the Dodgers go on and win that game? It's possible. It's probable. And then is Urias better in game four? Well, probably, but... How much better they said, but you're you're right. Instead of three one, it probably would have been two two, and then you're much right. more in the series. So, and, yeah, yeah, and you're right. The Dodgers didn't score. They so didn't score, it's, so it didn't really matter. Even if Urias gave up, you know, one home run instead right. of three, it might not end up making might not a win the game. Yeah, so yeah. tough life to be a Dodger. They're fan, not you know? going to be. How can like how are they not scoring? Like that's the part know. that doesn't make any sense to me. This is a this is a create a team. Where you drafted all the best players, yeah. like I don't, I don't understand how they just no all, one can get on base. Yeah, they just all went into slumps at the same time, except for Mookie, and there you go. It's and Cody be Bellinger, the, uh, he's raking. It's going to be the Astros against uh, the Braves. Oh, man, one game away. I'm excited. Look at Framber Valdez. We finally got a good start from somebody. Yeah. Didn't he go into eight, the eight innings? He went into yeah, he ate three eight. hits, one run after the first four games. The Astros starting pitchers combined to throw six and two thirds. Framber Valdez in Game Four went eight innings. It's the first. It's only the second time in the last two postseasons that a starter has gone eight innings in a game. Kershaw did it last year, and now Framber Valdez. Well, I mean, what a start! By the way, so there's a fun detail: the Astros and Framber Valdez. They don't do scouting reports with Framber Valdez about the opposing hitters. They it appears to be working. They they sit down, they have they have like a five minute or less meeting, and they generally just tell him, throw strikes, your pitches move enough, they won't hit you. <laughs> it's a good scouting report. It was last night. <laughs> like that's that's what they tell him to do. And I'm pretty he, sure, except for the movement part, that was Nolan Ryan's uh, <laughs> scouting report. Yes. Because <laughs> he throws his fastball is a sinker and it just it moves down. So if you make contact, you almost always hit into a hit a ground ball. And then he throws a great curveball and he runs into trouble when his curveball just goes completely out of the zone, right? And he can't throw it for a strike. And that's when he starts walking people and then he'll give up like one hit and it's three runs somehow. But when he throws strikes, that's what he did last night. He's almost untouchable. It was great, unbelievable, greatest pitching coach ever. Just throw strikes. You're fine. Your stuff's good enough. Nothing's gonna happen. Going to the series. One game. We got to win one more. Feel good. At home. Feel good. Yep. Two at home. Two starting pitchers lined up on regular rest, which hasn't always (laughs) been good in this series, but (laughs) hopefully it'll be good. Because also, because Framber Valdez went eight innings, the bullpen is going to be completely rested for the last two games of the series. So 
they it's not like they've got like last night if Framber Valdez got knocked around early the Astros only had I mean granted everyone would have technically been available because the postseason but they've had guys that have thrown like back-to-back days 20 pitches they had a guy that threw 30 pitches in game four like they would have been either bringing in guys who are really tired or asking guys to get a lot of outs that they hadn't done before but now fully rested should be good to go you think they were cheating last night oh so it's funny well I hope the Red Sox I'm, I'm watching it they right sucked. now on the tweet so the game got paused, delayed for about yeah, just about two or three minutes because all of a sudden there was a light in the batter's eye at Fenway Park. Just this was random. Was this showing light. location? I don't know. It was just a random light out in center field, and the the umpires paused the game, and the light just magically went away, uh, and nobody really knows what it was. A lot of people saying, "Well, there's a bar right there, and somebody was using their cell phone to look at the menu." I don't know. Uh, Red Sox are cheating out there. Didn't have any runs. Well, did, but. I was going to say, it didn't help them very much, did it? Eight I, innings. That light didn't help from, for uh, eight innings. And this is on top of, in game one, one of their pitchers, Martin Perez, absolutely had a foreign substance on his neck. Did you see the picture of that? I did not. He had just a square, a like perfect square of just shiny brown did stuff. Did they check on his him? Neck. They had to check him. They don't really check their necks. You, I mean, when they do the checks, yeah, they make them take out their pants. Yeah, you hand them the glove, you hand them the hat, put your belt down, and you show them your belt. They don't really look at your neck. Boy, saying, I'm you're going to win, you're gonna win the uh, uh, you're going to win the ALCS and against a bunch of cheaters, bunch of cheaters. Kershaw, Alex Cora, I biggest mean, cheater in baseball. Kershaw should really like move, just move the spot on the back of his yes, hat uh, down to his neck. Spot. Yeah, he'll be good to go. And by the way, uh, the other fun part was the. Red Sox radio crew apparently accused Framber Valdez of cheating last night. By because doing he, what? Because, because he kept he was... touching his head. Oh, in between pitches? Yeah. Like, cause he his wa- hat or his head? His head. Like his forehead. Framber Valdez doesn't wear his hat all the way on his head. Like he wears it like so kind when he of starts to sweat. Up. So like his forehead's completely exposed and he wipes the sweat he starts off to his sweat, forehead. He wipes it off. Like every pitch. And they were like, he's got to be going to something. A sweat ball? <laughs> <laughs> But sweat's like perfectly legal. Like you can, yes, you can wipe all the sweat you want off and use that. I don't know that it, does it help that much. I don't. I can't sweat. imagine. I imagine so. it would so, help. But yeah, they were uh, I mean, they were accusing him of cheating. But the grip. technically, I mean, it's sweat is very similar to what Moses Alou used to uh, get better grip yeah, on I don't his know bat. If that's similar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, on you're it. one game away. Good for you. <laughs> All right, coming up next, Jeff Erickson joins the show. Now is the time to get in your fantasy football questions. Text them to 69187. Preface your message with ESPN. So type ESPN and then whatever your fantasy football question is. 69187 is the text line. 69187. Send us your fantasy football questions. We will ask Jeff Erickson for you. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. Yeah, I mean, this, this is the second week. Uh, I, I haven't went two weeks in a row since I've been in the league where, I, where I've came out of games with, like, nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like, no scratches, no nothing. Like, this is the first time I felt, like, just good. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I felt fast. Like, I had a lot of energy today. I had a lot of juice today. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff, live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Joining us now from Rotowire is Jeff Erickson. Uh, 
I don't know if it's fun, but a big week in fantasy football, given all the bye weeks across the NFL. Uh, but Jeff, I do want to start with a question about tonight and the Browns. No Baker Mayfield, no Chubb, no Hunt. Uh, I think Odell Beckham might end up missing the game as well. Uh, wh- who the hell are you playing from the Browns offense, if anybody? Very few people. I mean, you have the importance of being De Ernest. Uh, De Ernest Johnson is probably your lead back, although he may not catch all the passes. That might be Demetrius Felton. Uh, there's talk about Jarvis Landry coming back this week. Uh, I just saw a report that he's likely to be activated in time. Meanwhile, OBJ is an uphill battle to play. So, you know, I like Donovan Peoples-Jones a little bit here. Uh, he's been active, not just with the Hail Mary. I know people are going to say he's chasing touchdowns, but that's not it. The week before, he had 70 yards receiving as well. Uh, and I, I think they've kind of gone, he's in the circle of trust a little bit. Case Keenum's going to start. I actually am going to try to use him in the super flex league I'm in, uh, which is, it's, it is about the very picture of desperation that it looks like. <laughs> uh, but I have two quarterbacks in, in this bye week. So the big debate in our uh, world is what are we calling this week? Is it by Mageddon? Is it by NATO? Is it uh, by Ragnarok? You know, uh, we're trying to figure out just any sort of permutation on the word by. There are a lot of buys and big-time quarterbacks. Can you give us your rankings on quarterbacks this week? Sure. Uh, it's, you know, just wait till we get to running backs, by the way. Get to even out of there. Uh, Mahomes, Jackson, Brady, Murray, Rodgers, any one of those five, you can yeah. shuffle them up in any order, and you'd be pretty good. I love, I like all their respective match- matchups. It gets a little dicey after that. Stafford, Hurts, Tannehill, Burrow, probably Carr. Uh, I, I'm debating Carr, Tua, and Heineke. Um, you know, with the added bonus of Tua now having to look over his shoulder to see if he's going to be traded. So there's always that, too. All right. You always try to sell us on having two quarterback leagues or leagues that allow you to play two quarterbacks because, as you said, it's the most important position. And I tend to agree with you, but I feel like this is the week that makes me say, no, thank you. Yeah, it, it puts you to the test for sure. Uh, I, you know, I made a rookie mistake, though, uh, in this one. I had two quarterbacks in the same bye week. Never do that. You know, you just you shouldn't be, you should at least be time with them. Now, granted, I attempted to have a third. I had Drew Locke, and we drafted before Denver made their quarterback decision. So I thought I had a third, so I could at least get through this week, but uh, not so much. Uh, so, and I and I haven't been liking Fab. Uh, usually, there's enough quarterback injuries that you can usually add someone in free agents, free agency. But you know, unless I get Keenum in this league, and I haven't seen the results of the, the bidding yet on that, um, I I might be uh, picking up like Taysom Hill, or uh, yeah, I don't even know what maybe George Blanda. I don't know. Uh, we'll just figure out somebody there to throw out the position, but it's going to be ugly for a week. I saw a stat earlier today, and I think I read it right, that Derek Carr had the most 300-yard passing games. Um, I think I read that correctly. But, you know, Derek Carr in your rankings, because, you know, you see week to week where he has really good numbers comparative to the league. Fantasy-wise, though, how has he been? Because you just told us your rankings. He wasn't that high. So what do you think about Derek Carr? Well, 10 is the starting quarterback in almost every league. So I'm relatively high on him. Um, Here's the thing about Carr. You're not going to get any rushing yards. Uh, or a rushing TD, he may get a sneak every once in a while. But mm-hmm. as we saw, sneaks aren't exactly his forte. He's not Tom Brady doing that. Uh, and the thing that worries me is there's that two-week stretch against the Chargers and Bears where he really kind of hurt people, hurt our teams a little bit. But then last week he kind of pulled the rabbit out of the hat again and was really good against the Broncos, uh, which I thought was going to be a pretty tough matchup, and it proved to be not so much. You know, they're, they're capable of big strike plays, which I do like. Uh, as you've alluded to, he gets a lot of yards. He also gets a lot of volume. Uh, they do throw the ball a lot. Uh, you know, I don't know how the coaching change is going to affect things in the long run with him. Um, but 
at least for one week, it certainly didn't hurt. All right, 69187 is the text line. If you have questions for Jeff Erickson about your fantasy team, 69187. Make sure you put ESPN before your message. Uh, Tyler Lockett or Hunter Renfro? Uh, the fact that we have to ask that question just shows how much Geno Smith hurts Lockett. Um, it's close. I'm going Lockett, but it's not exactly a ringing endorsement, but I do have Lockett ranked ahead of Renfro. Uh, what is your favorite streaming tight end for this week? Um, Ricky Seals Jones, if he's still out there. Uh, although he picked up an injury in practice yesterday, so you're going to want to watch that. Uh, failing that, I would say Aiden Hurst against Miami coming off the bye. If you have to dig even deeper, Mo Alley Cox. Uh, a couple more from the text line again. Six nine one eight seven is the number. If you got a question for Jeff Erickson, six nine one eight seven. Michael Carter or AJ Dillon? Uh, that's a close call because uh, at least Dillon's got a semblance of a floor. I just it, it's close again. I'm going to go Dillon. I've got him at twenty four and Carter at twenty eight this week. Uh, and then Henry Ruggs or Tim Patrick. I'm going to go Ruggs for the upside. I want to ask you, um, and I guess it's good news because, you know, you and I are on the same page because I think we both have him. It's like, why don't they ever give it give it down at the goal line to him now? They're going to when he gets back, obviously, because Cream Hunt is hurt. It has to be good news that Chubb didn't go IR. Do you think they're just saying, look, we'll give him 10 days and then get him back as quickly as possible? I think so. You know, that whole sequence was kind of threw me because he looked great against the Chargers, coming off his best game. I think, okay, maybe it's just a maintenance fan. Oh, he's had out Thursday. Oh, right. he's had out Friday. Oh, he's been ruled out. And now it's two. And this week they ruled him out really quickly, too. Uh, that's the thing that's concerning is, uh, you know, it, it wasn't like they even were trying to make, squeeze it in and make it happen. Maybe they're just taking a long view on this one here that he's such a valuable property to the team that they, they don't want to have him going out there compromised. Uh, they've been pretty tight-lipped about Chubb, so I, I hope your interpretation is right. That's the one I'm going to go with here, you know. But yeah, I guess we'll find out next week. Another one from the text line again: six nine one eight seven is the number. Elijah Mitchell or Alex Collins? Mitchell, uh, we don't know about Collins with the hip and the glute injuries. Uh, yeah, and Mitchell, I think is pretty clearly the guy in San Francisco. Uh, if you recall the game before their bye week, you know Sermon was very. I mean, minimally used. Uh, it was mostly Mitchell almost every snap. So uh, I like Mitchell. Another one, Robert Woods or Jamar Chase? Chase. Uh, do you trust Kenyon Drake at all? Scores two touchdowns, but I think he only had like six total touches last game. I don't trust him at all. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was convenient when, <coughs> excuse me, convenient when he was out of the picture. Uh, but it's really tricky right now. Uh, another one from our text me, line. You're good. You're good. Another one from our text line, 69187. Uh, both Cardinals wide receivers. Rondale Moore or Christian Kirk? Kirk, slightly ahead of Moore. I, the, the, the tough part is uh, projecting the volume, and A.J. Green is kind of flying the ointment there, too. Uh, they're spreading around between four different receivers. Uh, Jeff Erickson with us from Rotowire. 69187 is the number if you want to send in any questions for him to answer. This one, for me, this is nothing about anybody setting their lineup because obviously he's in your lineup, but can Derrick Henry, like, keep doing this? Like, is he still going to be this good the entire season? I'm probably the wrong guy to ask about this because I was aggressively wrong about Henry 
this year. <laughs> I thought the combined workload the last two seasons, you'd start to see a pretty big drop-off in his performance. Um, and that clearly not happened whatsoever. And in fact, his usage has gone up, which is just insane. He's the 1.1 in fantasy, and I'm in 17 leagues, and I have him in zero of those 17 leagues. So uh, this is me taking a victory, uh, a defeat lap on him. Uh, but yeah, and the thing is, he is kind of a unicorn. I mean, he, the combination of speed and size, it's just, it doesn't exist out there. And, you know, if in week 13 he breaks down, I can't really say victory there because you, you got 12 amazing weeks out of him. So, yeah, I, I think he can. It's just, I, I, I keep worrying about that regression. It just hasn't happened yet, though. Jeff, uh, I got to ask because it's now become something I, I literally text into our text line every week. Aaron Rodgers or Jalen Hurts? <laughs> and I remember this last week, too. Rodgers over Hurts this week. Uh, the Washington football team has been horrific against the pass. Uh, I think there's a floor of like 25 points out there. Uh, so I'm going to go Rodgers this week. All right. Actual question. Uh, what, uh, what defense, like what streaming defenses would you be targeting this week? Uh, good, good question. Uh, because a lot of people do that too. Uh, every week. So I would say, uh, I'd say if among the streamers, San Francisco might be out there because they were, you know, they had the buy last week and are kind of disappointing early on. I kind of like them against the Colts. We're talking about benching Eric Fisher. Uh, they've had so much problem on the left tackle. Uh, if you have to dig a little deeper than that, um, I, I think a, probably a decent option, uh, might be Miami, believe it or not. Uh, against Atlanta, I think they're home. I mean, they are home. I know that. Um, I think that you can attack Atlanta a little bit there. You can get a generate a good pass rush against them. And, uh, and then you know, Cleveland or Denver too tonight. One more from the text line: uh, Dearness Johnson or Khalil Herbert? Um, I, I, you know, I think uh, Damian Williams will come back this week, so I'm going to say uh, Dearness Johnson. But man, that's just, that's it's a tough call. It's really close. He is Jeff Erickson from RotoWire, joining us every Thursday to answer your fantasy football questions. Jeff, as always, we appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff. You bet. Take care, guys. Get your RotoWire, man. Best in fantasy, every sport, RotoWire. What's the NFL doing with everybody going on by this week? I know. <laughs> well, they added that extra week and they went, wait, how does this affect things? Everyone going by on week seven. Everyone, like, there are. Well, they probably figured by now they'd have a COVID outbreak. <laughs> Six teams on by this week. And the. Well, they added the extra game. That means they added an extra week yeah. of buys. Like, bye weeks go one week later than usual this year, too. And somehow there's still six teams on bye. And, like, from the fantasy oh. football's perspective, Bills, Cowboys, Chargers, Vikings, like teams that have legitimately good fantasy right. football players on them. Jags on a bye. Eh. Oh, the running back. I got him. He's good. Charles Robinson running back's exists. Good. Yeah. But it's fine. Everybody else, though. Good teams on bye. All right. Coming up next... UNLV plays a football game tonight. I'm a big-time coach. Wow. I made a big-time list. Wow. I'm going to tell them to call you. I'm going to let you I'm gonna let you either. You're going to negotiate that? Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm, I, this is the only Death Valley I'm concerned about right here. That's for sure. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Save that sound for the front page. That's a good, that's good audio Dabo. from Dabo Sweeney. Uh, UNLV football plays tonight. They host San Jose State. Eight o'clock start on CBS Sports Network. Uh, how many fans are going to be there, Ed? 
Not as many as that were at the Golden Knights last night. How's that? That's a good barometer. What was like 16? They announced no, 17. 17 yeah. plus, which was really 15. Anyway, you're going to get to that when I'm gone. But anyway, uh, not as many as was at the Golden Knights last night. Uh, true true fans. I don't know what they'll announce. Who knows what they ever announce? 8 p.m. start on a weekday. Here's Okay, here's a question for you. You're UNLV football. Would you rather be forced to play at 8 p.m. on a Thursday because of the Raiders, but you get to play the Legion Stadium or Saturday at Sam Boyd at a normal time. You both on TV? Yep. Oh, I'll take Saturday. Yeah. I'll take Saturday. 8 p.m. on a weekday is brutal. And for a football program that is already struggling. Like, you you guys are not thinking of those poor people that are up late chasing. (laughs) Hawaii is still going to play, Jared. Okay. All right. Fair enough. There are other teams on the West Coast. It's perfectly fine. Yeah, so I'm eh, curious to see what the actual I mean, how many do you think? Attendance. I mean, not le- legitimate, not what they're going to announce. Legitimate? Uh, that's, okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they're announcing more. Less than 10,000? Oh. I mean, legitimately at the game tonight? Yeah, yeah. No, in the stadium. I mean, it's, it's San Jose got? State. Six? It's San Jose State. They don't have a fan base that travels. And no. again, it's 8 p.m. on a Thursday. Like, and okay, so at halftime, what do you think the, uh, <laughs> what you just said, 6,000? <laughs> and again, as we've talked about a lot with the Legion Stadium, it's not the easiest place no, to get to if no. you're a local. It's, no. you've got to figure they out how to park. randomly make some, some streets one way. <laughs> like, it's not yeah. convenient to go to those games. It was now, you had to drive a ways depending on where you live, but it was fairly convenient well, Sam to Boyd, go to you just Sam rolled Boyd. in and picked out your space. Right. But Allegiant Stadium, granted, the location might be a little more central to where people live. It's still not convenient to actually park and get to the stadium. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I wouldn't go. Are you? I, what, what, why? Like, what are you excited? You, unless you're that excited to see them possibly win a game because they could they win could tonight. They could win tonight. They could win like, tonight. Like, I... I wouldn't go like it's not a good team. It's not a fun team to watch and they're not playing a good opponent or a fun opponent to watch. And it's 8 p.m. on a Thursday. I will say that the benefit of Allegiant all the times I've been there, I'm yet to see someone peeing outside next to their RV. Like I saw (laughs) every. (laughs) No, not joking. Every single time at Sam Boyd Boyd, because I had to get there early for media stuff. And I would pass by like a group of RVs and there'd just be a guy and I'd just be like, it's against a chain link fence. People can see through the other side. Uh, I just want to point out, we are about an hour into the show today. Jared, I believe, has talked three times. Moises Alou pees on his hands. Hey, Jalen, I never... Hurts. <laughs> Jalen Hurts or Aaron Rodgers. And, and hey, I saw a guy peeing at Sam Boyd every game. <laughs> it's a banner day. Yeah, I slept last night, so uh, <laughs> this is what you get. Which, by the way, uh, reminds me, I went to London one time. We wanted, we went on a Jack the Ripper tour where they took us around where dead bodies were found and all that. One of the guys on our tour just randomly like walked ahead of us. We go walk the same way he do, go around the corner. He's just peeing. Right on the street. Just right in the corner on the, on the, on the side of a building. Looks at us like, oh, I'm with you guys. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. That wasn't the worst thing that happened there then. It was a Jack the Ripper tour. Sir, that's a historical landmark. (laughs) He killed at least three people there. 
Wow. So, yeah, so Jack who, the Ripper tours in Sam Boyd Stadium. Who in the world is this guy going to play a quarterback? No idea. <laughs> no clue. Who's Don't know play who's healthy. Doug Brumfield didn't play last week, but was mentioned he's day-to-day oh. on Monday. I, that sounds good, but it doesn't sound like he's 100% healthy. Cameron Friel left the last game. I don't know. Like, Justin Rogers is presumably healthy. Tate Martell is still, I think he's healthy, but coming back from an injury. And apparently they can't put the whole playbook in when Tate Martell's in for some reason. I don't know. I don't know who's playing quarterback for this team. Is it at all possible that this game will start on CBS Sports Net, or Network.com? Oh, it's always possible. Yeah, to, there's got to be a game. There's got to be a game before, yeah. like a Memphis game or a some kind of game before it that the, the team always plays right before UNLV. And yeah. it's, UNLV is down 7-0 with, what, five minutes left? Is it that late? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Like sometimes, like five, six minutes left the first quarter. Oh, game. Yeah, there's going to be a game on. Uh, it is Florida Atlantic yeah. and Charlotte. There's always a game on. ACC. What? Uh, AAC. 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 Get, get it right. New AAC. Potential ah. new AAC member. Uh, they kick off at 430? Can they get that game oh. done in three and a half hours? Okay, then you're you're pretty close on eight, seven thirty. No chance. They, they kick off at four thirty, so three and a half. If that game takes three and a half hours, you will see the start Entirety of UNLV on of UNLV San Jose State. But that game is going to go to overtime because it is on before <laughs> UNLV, and that always happens. Does not matter the sport. If UNLV is on CBS Sports Network, the game before will be on overtime. So Charlotte, Florida Atlantic, take the over. Going to OT.